You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for the fifth and final time for now of our Star Trek random rewatches. As Jamie destroys the studio around us as she takes off her socks off her very pregnant feet. You know what? I am pregnant with twins. Just so everybody knows. and You find a way to remind everybody in the world of that. And I'm only 22 weeks, but I'm telling you, like, I'm so hot all the time. I <laughs> we wear... know, we, we, as you opened the window last week. And by the way, it's minus 39 today Celsius in Winnipeg. So don't open any windows today. I had the window open. Already. I know, and it froze open. You're lucky it didn't freeze open permanently. Yeah, like, I mean, the the blinds are closed right now, but I'm telling you, I'm only wearing two pieces of clothing, my underwear and a shirt. Oh, you don't have to tell people this. Well, Anyways. you know what? I would die if I, if I wore more. For the fifth and final time ever, Jamie and I are going to be talking about random Star Trek episodes. A uh, project we started thought about starting months ago eventually got around to in the last five weeks uh just doing a random draw based on however many episodes the show had in this case you know a hundred whatever episodes of enterprise just doing a random google draw of one to 100 and it landed on number 17 which is episode one number. number 17 from star trek enterprise the final show recovering fusion Let's get into it. My name is Colin, and for the last time, they are not trying to kill the quarterback. My name is Jamie, and ah, you mean sex. <laughs> Perfect way to sum up this episode. Football and sex. Uh, can I you, just say... You, you said the S word. I'm so anyways, proud of you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, so, I actually really... I, I know this isn't like into the episode, but I actually really like Vulcan stuff, by the way. So I was really excited to do this. Do you like Vulcan stuff? I find it very well, interesting. Okay, so this is what I was saying last week. I mean, I feel like because of the time Enterprise came out, it people, I think, were just burned out on Star Trek, and it was different from all the other shows. So for a long time, this was sort of like, well, Enterprise is easily the weakest show. And I feel like the show gained an audience, especially in season three. But as I mentioned last week, the thing that I always felt like set the show apart, even in the first season that we're watching here, was how they explored Vulcans. Because this is so closely tied, more so than the show, because it's a prequel series. It takes place, what, like 100 years before you know the original series? Yeah. But it takes place closer to the timeline of the first Contact movie. That was the Next Generation movie where, with the Borg, where they went yeah, back in time. I remember that one. And it was the first Contact, which ended up being between humans and Vulcans. This is more closely tied, the way the stories are on the show, more closely tied to that than it is to any other Star Trek series. And I feel like they nailed that from day one with this show by presenting Vulcans in a way that we had never seen them before, but in a way that surprised the audience. Yeah. And the best example of that, which is my favorite Enterprise episode of all time... I think it's called the Andorian Incident. You mentioned yes. it the other day. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where they're going to visit some type of Vulcan monastery on some planet. And they're all taken prisoner by these Andorians, which were these blue aliens with tentacles from the original they, they series. Kinda looks like, uh, they kind of look like Martians, but blue. Yeah. And yeah. this was a species they had used on the original Star Trek series in the 60s that they said, we're going to bring back for Enterprise. And they, they didn't change them, really. They're still cheesy-looking you know, 60s aliens. But it brought this complexity to the show. This was maybe six, seven episodes in that it had never had before, where the entire plot was about the Andorians think the Vulcans are spying on them. The Andorians think that the Vulcans are out to get them. Yeah. And all the Vulcans are like, they are crazy. And if yeah. you'd watch the original series, you think that. 
our only exposure to Vulcans has mostly been Spock up until this point. And then they have this twist on the end of the episode where it's like the Vulcans were spying on the Andorians. Now, their justification is the Andorians are legitimately crazy. And, and it, it brought up the moral questions that I think we missed in Voyager that we talked about in the other shows about if you are this advanced species, this peaceful species like the Vulcans, and you know that there's a dangerous species out there, is it okay for you to spy on them? Is it okay for the CIA to spy on these you know, dangerous uh, countries, um, at least dangerous in terms of them, that they could potentially, you know, have weapons of mass destruction or nuclear warheads or just be all around crazy or and, whatever. And I'm pretty sure that probably does happen. Yeah, but yeah. well, it does. And that's the show. It presented Vulcans where I remember watching this thinking some people may be upset that suddenly they're making Vulcans semi-sketchy, yeah. but I loved it. I'm like, you never would have thought this, but in reality, Vulcans would have a dark side. Yeah. Did, didn't you say, too, on the last episode, uh, if I remember correctly, that um, I, I actually was kind of surprised, but I, I think if I'm remembering right, but that with the Star Trek, um, the different series, obviously, so Next Generation, Voyager, mm-hmm. Enterprise, like, all of those different things that some of them actually were on the air at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's what we were talking about last week. I mean, Next Generation was, I think, in its fifth season when Deep Space Nine debuted, so... For two and a half years, Enterprise, or sorry, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine were both so, on the air so at the same time. So there was new episodes coming out at the same time. Yeah, and Voyager came out a couple of months after Next Generation ended. So for an even longer duration, I guess at that point that would have been, you know, what, another four years. Deep Space Nine and Voyager were on at the same time. Now at this point, uh, I think Enterprise in its first season was Voyager's last season. So what we're watching here, Voyager was still on the air, but they knew it was ending. W- would you say, like, throwing away the new season completely discovery uh, the new series you mean yeah like like that yeah that's what i meant mm-hmm. N- not including it in this would you say that voyager is your least favorite yeah um that, that's the one with uh the old lady Catherine as you said Janeway. yeah <laughs> the old lady. I, I, I tried to be respectful yeah. this time um yeah well i mean i've, I've kind of said that on all these episodes even going back when we covered discovery for season one i, I think that my mom probably that was her least favorite too to be honest it's it, it, do, <clears> is that a general thing do you think um, I feel like most people would group together. Well, I, Discovery already has, you know, uh, a, I guess the least fanaticism. But having said that, all Star Trek shows took a couple seasons to get. Like Next Generation, nobody was really crazy about the Next Generation until they're probably three seasons in. Yeah, I mean, uh, my mom always was, but she she yeah, likes but, she likes uh, any series with hot, hot men on it for her. <laughs> but like <laughs> the shows all got better as time went on. I feel like the difference is that Voyager. Maybe we mentioned last week. I thought that the premise was great, and they just lost it so quickly. Voyager was one that I felt like never got better. It definitely got more entertaining, but so many of the things that that Next Generation developed over time, uh, the intelligence of it and everything, and that Deep Space Nine with the complexity with the characters and and mm-hmm. the war and everything, and then even Enterprise, especially by the time you got to the third season, I don't feel like Voyager ever had that. So my guess would be most people would probably say. You know, Discovery, Enterprise, and Voyager it would be a toss-up between those. Yeah. My argument is, uh, all those shows, or at least in the case of Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, they had like seven seasons. So, so you're Enterprise saying, was canceled after four. So you're basically saying, with the Voyager one, you feel like the show never really found its footing. Well, no, I, I feel like that based off pilot alone, that had the most interesting premise. That's the premise where. I feel like you want to tune every week because they're lost in space. They are, you know, 70 or 80 years from home and they have no support, nothing. 
that's a great premise. They dropped that so quickly and it just became, hey, we're in deep space. And then they started bringing these familiar things, whereas it should have been a show where you're exploring new things. They brought in the Borg and then this and that. And I don't feel like the show ever took itself to another level, the way the Deep Space Nine, by the time it got to like season four and five or Next Generation by the same time, or Enterprise by season three, they took the show to the next level dramatically. I feel like with the Enterprise one, obviously this uh, series that we're now covering today, I feel like the uniforms look very similar to the new series. Well, yeah, and they're they're intending it to be that way because Enterprise, I don't know how much... Okay, let's go with this. What do you know about Enterprise's premise? Again, I mean... I, I always mix up the series okay. and have to the, clarify that the one with the old lady. So, I mean, you I, know that this is the prequel to all the other series. You know that it takes place after First Contact. As I said, it's close enough to First Contact that James Cromwell, who played the scientist that made First Contact in the movie, had a cameo in Enterprise, and I think it was the pilot. But this is the first starship ever. Like, the, the Federation doesn't exist, Starfleet barely exists. The Enterprise, this is the very first ship to leave the solar system or whatever to actually go out exploring. So the uh, the premise behind Enterprise is that they are the first. There are no other Starfleet ships. They are the first explorers. And because they've been so closely connected to the Vulcans, the Vulcans won't allow um, you know anybody to do this exploration without a Vulcan officer on board, which is how T'Pol comes into the show. But otherwise, everything about the show is... We're the first ones to ever visit another planet. One of the first things that I thought about, too, when I started watching uh, this show and even this episode, too, it, it always brings to my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's the one who uh, Colin thinks is really hot. Well, <laughs> uh, let's, let's put that into perspective of uh, Star Trek, the old lady, as you said last week and everything. But no, like, here's the thing. To Paul, she, she has like the most amazing lips I've ever seen. Among other things. Even, I mean, even, even her eyes, too. Well, but, but here's the thing. To Paul, you could have said it was kind of like Seven of Nine in Voyager, the, the Borg character, which, in my opinion, I mean, I don't feel like the character really had a lot going for it. It, it essentially was just, let's throw sex appeal out there for Star Trek, because we know the guys watching Star Trek will respond. And if they're responding to, you know, Dr. Crusher and Deanna Troy, let's throw a woman out there in spandex and they'll respond to it more. And I, f- but, I feel like with watching this, though, that it wasn't all about that with her. She no, actually acted very that's well. That's the great thing. And I will honestly say that Enterprise and Scott Bakula, I mean, he gets some criticism because he's definitely not as dynamic as, of a character as, you know, uh, Picard or as an actor. Yeah. But I love Scott Bakula. I mean, Quantum Leap, easily in my top three favorite shows of all time. Uh, yeah, my my, one of my childhood one favorite shows, Quantum Leap. So Scott Bakula can do no wrong for me. But if I'm picking my favorite character in the show, it's easily going to be T'Pol. And I, this was the first episode they had done. They planted seeds that made her character something different, where she was this Vulcan who just seemed to be moody. And you don't see that in the other shows where the Vulcans are so peaceful and everything. But this is where they. I think they they did something right with the show, even from the beginning, more than just making the Vulcans kind of shady. The Vulcans aren't comfortable around humans, and T'Pol hates being there. This is one of the first episodes where they even hint at the fact that it's like, maybe T'Pol likes being here more than we think. Because there's an early episode, the Andorian incident that we talked about, where the other Vulcans are like, how do you stand to be around humans so long? How do you deal with the smell? And she's like, it takes him getting used to. (laughs) So they joke about the fact like she hates being around them. 
And this episode here was probably the first episode that season that really explored DePaul's character more than just being kind of this curious Vulcan that's presented in a different way. It, to me, DePaul carries all of Enterprise. Well, in, in this episode specifically, too, uh, you get to meet some Vulcans, obviously, that are different mm-hmm. than the norm. But um, I, I might have learned something new. And again, I've watched this episode before, but you pay closer attention to things when you're actually going to do a podcast. But um, <laughs> as if you pay attention more. <laughs> well, okay, people, I didn't make any notes or anything. <laughs> but um, I, I was paying attention to the food, obviously, because I mean, I'm, I mm-hmm. love food. But so are, are Vulcans, generally speaking, are they vegetarians? Yeah. Because he's like, are you sure? It's meat. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing that they had fun with in this episode. The idea that, sure, Vulcans as a species may be like that, but the same as humans, these Vulcans that they come across, I mean, the plot of this episode, in case anybody doesn't remember it, didn't bother to watch it, is they come across this small Vulcan transport ship that has what? How many Vulcans are on it? Three? Yeah, not very much. There's only a handful of Vulcans on the ship. And they've basically just been traveling for eight years. And you kind of get the impression these are like Vulcan gypsies. They're like, hey, we're we're not really into this whole conformity thing. So we're just going to go roam the galaxy, see where the wind takes us, you know. And it's actually kind of funny, though, because, like, you watch different things. Like, this, this like, really creepy, like, rapist guy, the, yeah. the, the Vulcan guy. And it's so funny because it's like when I'm watching it, it's like this guy with the look that he has in his eyes and everything. Well, like I said, he kind of looks like a rapist but then he also looks like a guy that like wants to like sell you drugs <laughs> well no and that's the thing like, is that he's like take some acid man well, it'll change your life but man there would have been a very <laughs> there would have been a very bad way to present these characters where they came across like vulcan hippies and instead they present them in a way where it's so subtle and the way that especially the, the main plot of this episode, I guess, is how T'Pol is not really embracing these new Vulcans because she's like, well, they're different. You know, they don't seem to follow the, the, the norm. You know, they eat meat. They're okay with this. They're okay with emotions. They're like, we've spent eight years subtly exploring our emotions and it's not all bad. And it sort of starts with uh, the, the one, you know, uh, crazy rapist Vulcan, as you said, which... Uh, <laughs> well, co- like at the same time, okay. Sorry, I have to interject, but at the we'll same, we'll get to that. So the, that'll be later. Okay. At the same time, though, you know, after eight years, without you know, if, if you are not holding back anything and well, stuff like that with with the Vulcan, how they because what was that episode on the Andorian thing? They only mate every what what is it once every ten years? Or well, something? that that goes back to the original series. Yeah. There's an episode in the original series, but where but these Vulcans, Spock goes into heat. <laughs> yeah, like these Vulcans aren't typical, and so they're in heat like all the time. And this guy has had to be without like a female yeah. or whatever you would classify their gender. I think it still would be classified female and male, yeah. but without an, like a woman around to you know. And here's this like really hot Vulcan lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I said, she's really hot. Like, I mean. I'm not like lesbo at all, you know, but, but like, I sure hope not. <laughs> no, not at all. But she's like really hot. Like if I was a guy, I'd be like, heck yeah. Like, let's go to the back of my car, okay. you know? No, but, um, you know, so I can't really fully blame this guy, but, um, you know, I, there's a, a trend that's happening here with the Star Trek episodes <laughs> where people are getting taken advantage of. Well, yeah, we, we, we talked about, I mean, there, there's, <laughs> If we go back to the, the random draw that we had, this was all l- luck of the draw. The episode number that came up for the original series was Mirror Mirror, <laughs> which dealt with this woman selling herself, essentially, to advance her career. 
uh, and that Kirk didn't want to take advantage of her for that. We had the Riker rape trial um, slash murder trial in Next Generation. And with Voyager, like that guy, the the, the, ma- the Yeah, the villain. holodeck the guy the villain he being just, seduced by janeway yeah like he she, uh, he was like seduced by her pheromones yeah so basically he just wanted to have sex with her too and i mean children of time <laughs> the deep space nine episode we did they it was it was not like that but it dealt with the idea of oh well if we're stuck here for 20 years does my wife still exist do i move on to somebody else you know is uh, it really cheating can we just t- boil t- it down t- to today this on maury <laughs> can we just boil it down to this We've discovered there are hundreds of episodes of all the Star Trek series, and we have randomly drawn five episodes from five different Star Trek shows. And the connecting thread seems to be there is a lot of sexual repression in the Star Trek universe because everybody is apparently really horny or really not horny and making a big deal about it. And and if you actually really think about this, I mean, again, we've only explored a couple of episodes here, and you've probably watched them all. I, I've never watched them for all. For Enterprise, I have, yeah. But I know that for all of the series, they're all on Netflix, so I really do need to go through them all. But, you know, the, the more that you watch it, the more you realize, you know, Star Trek is kind of like a science fiction soap opera. Really? Yeah, well, we, we got into that with Children of Time, that it was basically a soap opera episode. It's, but it's, I, it's I don't like feel da- like Days of Our Lives no, Star Trek. because I feel like you can say that with any TV show. I feel like Star Trek, more than anything, at least for the most part, well, let's say outside of Deep, Deep Space Nine, where it really did lend itself more to that, because it was about these people all have their own families and everything. Um, however, Deep Space Nine also went the most political, but... Yeah. You hold back more of that because in this in this show, let's look at it. You have the main characters. You have Archer, which is Scott Bakula, right? You have T'Pol. You have Tucker. Yeah. That's the engineer. You have Reed. He's the British guy. You have Phlox, the alien doctor. You have Mayweather, who's the the pilot, the helmsman. And you have, uh, what is her name? Hoshi? Uh, the the oh, translator Hoshi. that doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the translator yeah, doesn't gonna, matter. I was going to say, I remember her because it rhymes with Yoshi. Yeah. Um, of all these characters, the only relationship you ever see, it's kind of different, the T'Pol Archer relationship, we'll talk about kind of at the end of this, but this episode is the first hint towards T'Pol exploring certain emotions and breaking away from Vulcan, you know, conventions, which will lead to, I think it was in season two, her agreeing to basically have a completely professional sexual relationship with Tucker just to kind of see, I want to, I want to learn more about humans and their sexuality. And it was very cold at times, but you get that relationship developing. Outside of that, there is no soap opera, soap opera in Enterprises at all. But I, I think that it's not exhausting though to watch something like that, even if there is a lot of that, because so many of the episodes really are standalone. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's you know two or three parters or whatever else, but most of them are standalone. Well, but, but are they? Hold but on. like that that other show. Um, it was on Netflix. I can't even remember the name of it. Um, I got into it for a while. It was the one where um, the oh switched at birth. The, it, it wasn't of on, all shows to compare sorry, to Star sorry, Trek Enterprise. No, 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 it wasn't on Netflix. No, <laughs> but like that one is such a dramatic show, and it is exhausting to watch. But yeah, like, but it's a great show. But mm-hmm. it's exhausting to watch. But like. You know, that's one of the things that I could say I'm not a huge fan of, of the... Melodrama? No, no, no. Of the new Star Trek series, Discovery. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like, again, if you missed one or two episodes, like, you're just completely lost. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the things Whereas, like, traditional Star Trek, it's pretty much standalone. Like, it's a whole different premise. But we talked about in Deep Space Nine that Deep Space Nine was one of the first shows in all of, I guess, American television to venture into... 
even if it's not going to be a serialized show, we're going to tell very long story arcs over the course of many episodes. By the time you get to 2001, when this show debuts, Enterprise, we need to put this in perspective, because I think 2001 was, at least for me, the greatest year ever for television debuts. Um, you had... Is that Smallville came out? Smallville, all within weeks of each other. No, listen. I knew it. All within weeks of each other, Smallville debuts, Star Trek Enterprise, Alias, and 24. Now, what's interesting is that you had... There had been one show prior to this, like, network show, that had ever been a full serialized show, which was a show called Murder One, where they followed an entire murder case over the course of one season. And it was a great show, but... American audiences found it too hard to follow that. What if we miss an episode? 24 and Alias debut at the exact same time as Enterprise you know, and Smallville also. But Alias goes for a serialized approach where it's standalone episodes, but it is a serialized show. Similar to what you're describing Discovery as. 24 goes for full serialized. If you miss one episode, you've missed it all. Don't even bother watching. Yeah. 24 did not find its audience until they released the first season on DVD and suddenly people were able to watch it all at once. Alias had to drop the serialized format by the time they got to season three because people still hadn't caught on it. Like, how times have changed, but yet Enterprise... I I think it has changed too because of the PBR. Yeah, exactly. It makes it easier to watch or even streaming. Yeah. Um, By the time you get, you know, uh, five years in the future, you got lost on TV and that's just the norm. Every show for a while went for, we all have to be a serialized show. But Enterprise, against that norm of where Alias, which was one of the two shows that started this, by the third season said, we're just going to standalone episodes. It's it's too hard for people to follow. It's too hard to maintain an audience. Enterprise, in a way to kind of increase ratings and increase like the the fan response, said, we're ditching this whole, you know, uh, standalone uh, episode of the week thing. And season three became heavily serialized. It's still, they were all their own individual stories, but it was following one massive story arc. And here's the funny thing. I stopped watching Enterprise. I watched Devoted every single week for season one and two. Mm-hmm. I missed like one episode in season three, and I'm like, I can't keep watching this. It's too hard. And I, I, for years, I'm like, well, I didn't really like season three. It wasn't until I was able to go back after the show was long off the air and rewatch all of season three where I'm like, now I know why people suddenly got hooked on Enterprise because the show developed such a bigger following and appreciation once season three came and they went with that that whole season long story arc. Um, something that's not specifically related to this episode, but just interesting that you mentioned. Do you because th- you're talking about in the future, and obviously even you know going from ten or five years uh, from before to now, it's changed so much with PVR and mm-hmm. so many more streaming things. Like you look at all these things that are coming up, like Disney's going to do their own, Marvel's going to do their own. Yeah. Do you think at some point? however long in the future it would be, I don't know, you know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it would be, that really TV as we know it isn't going to exist anymore and everything will be streaming? No, uh, it's it's possible, but it's, it's tough to say because what do you do for live TV? You know, like w- w- the That's highest... That's true. Like, That's true. Here's the only reason why I don't think it will ever go completely away. The highest rated tv events are things like the super bowl that do not lend themselves that well to streaming i mean amazon prime tried is trying it with thursday night football or whatever well i was thinking even with survivor and stuff like that yeah but i think there's always gonna be a place for traditional television but even traditional television i don't know what it's like yeah when i watch american tv because we get both canadian and american channels yeah uh the channels will obviously promote their apps but i think especially here in canada 
I've noticed in the last few months, every single major Canadian, the four Canadian networks, yeah. when they show commercials on TV, mm-hmm. they will say, you know, the next episode of whatever, streaming on Wednesday. They don't even say airing on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. They'll say streaming. Well, because, like, even Space has their own... Yeah. And, but the, the, the funny thing is, is that the, the Canadian TV networks are now, when you're watching the traditional TV channel, they're calling it streaming and not tuning in or recording or watching live or whatever else but anyways back back to this for a second because I'll, we'll talk more about this episode but i just want to talk a bit about enterprise because enterprise did have the second shortest run of any star trek show the original series only ran for three years uh, next generation deep space nine voyager they all got seven years enterprise um was almost canceled after the second season it was almost canceled after the third season eventually got canceled after the fourth now mm-hmm. it wasn't solely because of ratings because i think it probably pulled in the same amount of numbers as like Voyager and Deep Space Nine did, but a lot of the big things with this was that if you look at the technology from even Voyager's last season and Enterprise when they were on the same time, the budget for this show was through the roof. Like they wanted this to look like the movies. Was it? Wasn't and it also, I, I I couldn't tell you if it was directly from the beginning of season one, but I do remember that Enterprise was the very first show that was recorded like digitally in hd so that was a big deal at the time because like it cost so much more money to produce this show in high definition in 2001 when all other shows would convert to that later on if they released the, you know uh, something else but this show is extremely expensive to produce and it just wasn't worth the money overall but when the show went off the air after four seasons there were petitions to you know keep this alive like there would be for any Star Trek show but there was probably a bigger following by the time the show ended than there was when it started, and yet the ratings were better in the first season we're watching here than they were in any other season that followed. What was the time difference? Because you're so good with dates and everything like that. What was the time difference year, year-wise year between, um, obviously, when Enterprise went off and then all the way to Discovery? Well, Enterprise ran till 2005. Discovery debuted last year, so 13-year gap. Oh, some people must have been so sad about that, wondering if it would well, ever come back. Yeah. Let's think about this. I mean, the original Star Trek series, between that and The Next Generation, it's obviously a longer gap, but you had the movies in between there. So that was, I guess, the longest gap. And they also made a big deal about the fact that when, because you had the overlap with Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Enterprise, that it was almost 20 years where there was never a Star Trek show off the air. And then we had this huge gap between Enterprise and... Uh, and Discovery now. Wasn't it also Enterprise 2 where they had that really good mirror episode? Wasn't it that one? Yeah, they had a, a two-parter. I think it was called In a Mirror Darkly. Uh, I think that was the first mirror episode you ever showed me. It was actually very interesting. No, we, we had we watched that when we were starting to get into the mirror universe stuff in Discovery. Yeah, that's I, I what I mean. The, the show really nailed it. Yeah, um, it was very good with their mirror universe episodes and Discovery or not Discovery Enterprise. Um, you know, I remember it most fondly for season three, where it was a storyline about this. It, I guess it was more like this amalgam, not amalgamation, but like several different alien species that all joined together to wage war on Earth. And they had to go out into like unexplored space to get and everything. But the reason that I think Enterprise always worked for me was because of how they handled the characters. Now, not all the characters were great. As I said, they're mostly all throwaways, but the three leads, Archer, Tucker, and T'Pol. They spent so much time on those three characters and they did such great development with them that by the time you got to season three, you had to Paul saying, I'm willing to go against everybody to, to, to back you. 
And this, again, is the first episode, along with it being the first episode that explored Paul breaking away from the Vulcans and even, you know, uh, being willing to do things like have sex later on. Huh. Uh, you also have, in this episode, the first mention of, you know, Paul saying, well, well, maybe she likes humans more than we thought. And yeah. they get into even the relationship with Archer, which I feel like that's what really made the show worthwhile in the end because it wasn't about sex with them or anything. Uh, you, you have it mentioned here where Archer keeps trying to push to Paul saying, yeah, I want you to spend more time with these Vulcans. And she's like, I'd rather not. I don't like them. And he's like, um, you need somebody to help you. Oh, T'Pol's available. But- and then all of a sudden, T'Pol starts spending a lot of time with this creepy rapist Vulcan, as he yeah. said. And Archer's like, it's making me nervous. And then Tucker's like, hmm, you sound a little bit jealous here. But the thing with their relationship that always worked later on was that it was all about loyalty. Yeah. He- and, and I liked how he, he like... Com- stood up for in the end yeah mm-hmm. completely yeah but that that's what made this so unique is that it it almost went back to the way that uh, i feel like not even next generation did it the same way where for them they were all officers and they were more like a family but when you look at spock mccoy and kirk in the original series these were people who would kill for each other because they were just that loyal to each other and this show especially by the end really had that i won't spoil how the show ends but especially the way that those three characters, Tucker, Archer, and Paul, all end up, you realize this entire show was just about these people, you know, just learning to value each other so much and protect each other so much that it was about a protective relationship, especially with Archer and Paul. And it's, it's cool watching this episode, which I'll be honest, I didn't think this was a great episode, but it introduces so many things that become important later on in the show that I appreciate it more looking at this, you know, uh, along with the rest of the series. Well, I think that there's some things in the episode that um, do still, like, it seems like there's going to be a higher buildup and nothing really happens. Like the whole Nebula thing where... Yeah, the side plot. Where he's talking about, like, oh, I've... You know, this is like a life dream. And then it's like, it's not really touched on again. They're just there and they're looking at it, doing calculations, and that's basically the whole thing of it. What? But at the same time, though, the episode, I feel like, is good just because it makes you ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if you compare it to other Star Trek shows. (coughs) Ah, I'm going to leave that in because we're late recording this. Uh, When you compare it to other Star Trek shows, because they do mention the whole thing about Vulcan's breeding here, which comes up in the original series, um, the mind meld that this is all based around. When T'Pol eventually starts becoming closer to this uh, gypsy, (laughs) creepy rapist, rapist drug drug dealer, Vulcan, he starts trying to get her to explore her emotions. He suddenly plants a... Maybe you shouldn't meditate tonight. Just watch what happens when you don't meditate. And what happens? She basically has a dirty dream because yeah. she didn't meditate before bed. And, and it freaks how, her out. To the how, bo- how does she know also anything like about sex or like what it would feel she like? She doesn't though. Or that it would be pleasurable? Because I'm watching this. I'm like, has she watched porn? Like, Well, she's uh, more than seven years old. Let's say that. <laughs> well, no, but, but, but she's she's probably never like gone through this. So how does she even know it? But, but that's the idea with Vulcans that they explored in this show that, that was so interesting because they're like, it's not that they're these species who don't have emotions there are species who has figured it makes the most sense to suppress your emotions so that's the idea here is that every vulcan because i think um i don't remember if it was a next generation it might have been a next generation uh or even in, in enterprise maybe where they talked about how vulcans are born almost irrationally emotional like their their emotions if humans emotions are at a nine vulcans are at like an 86 so they, they had that need to suppress it. They specifically mentioned the word primal. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's one of the things that separates like the Romulans and the Vulcans later on. But but 
that's the idea here is that but if you're kind not of put suppressing them as, like, your psychopaths, though, no, like like we're watching like a Ted Bundy show on, yeah. on Netflix, yeah. and here's this guy who obviously he did kill all of these people like and horrifically like yeah. he is a monster there's there's no denying it and yet he you see him and he's smiling and he's happy and stuff like that and he's putting on a show like he's this you know mm-hmm. all-american good boy and stuff like that so it kind of reminds me of the vulcan a little bit like that it's like well because there was a moment they, they we don't want to spoil the ted bundy series or if people don't know the real story but there's a moment where he's suddenly free and he actually just goes on the most insane killing rampage that humankind can ever even imagine. Yeah. Because they're like, he, it was like he was losing control. Well, he couldn't e- be held back. E- even the authorities were like, there's no way that he, that, you know. who What human being could just, in this short period of time, do such terrible well, well, things? Well, not even that. But he, he's like, it's it's unheard of that, you know, someone w- would commit a crime and then walk like a block or two over and, and do another yeah. crime. But but it's it's not really that far with the Vulcans, but the idea is still that they just simply suppress this. So naturally, this is the way that she would think, especially if you have been suppressing it that long. But she treats it like she's ill all of a sudden. She's going to the doctor. Yeah. I had a dirty dream last night. I think I might be sick. And he's like, no, you uh, <laughs> you had a dirty dream. That's pretty much it. But then he tries to get her to explore this more. And <laughs> the thing that I actually appreciate about this episode is that... Um, well, we'll get to one of my complaints about it in a second, which has to do with the, the mind meld being the climax here. Sorry. Cl- climax. Sorry. But, <laughs> um, but see, 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 she, she missed her, uh, uh, she mi- missed her immunization shots. You don't realize that this episode is basically about consent and sexual assault. They're, they're kind of <laughs> playing it that way because it is done so subtly and in such a, a smart way and, and non-condescending way to the audience. You don't even realize that until Archer basically says it. Yeah. And part of that's because we, the mind meld has never been presented. And I'm, I'm, this is my argument for this, though, okay? So he gets her to do this mind meld. She goes along with it. It starts getting too intense for her. And she's like, stop, stop. And he won't stop. And eventually she pushed herself away and she gets sick. Um, now, very smart the way they handled that with the whole thing, like consent and everything. But... A mind meld is something we've seen in Star Trek before. Uh, we saw it. Spock did it to McCoy right before he died, right? Yeah. Or, or there, there have been times also. Uh, the most intense was the one where Spock's father, Sarek, mind melded with Picard in one of the best episodes ever, The Next Generation. And that was like it, the way that T'Pol reacted here, like Picard, it hit him even harder. Should Picard be saying. Spock, your dad tried to rape me. Should McCoy be saying Spock raped me? I mean, there it's not even played any different way because McCoy does not get, really get consent from Spock to do it. Picard does, just like, because he even brings up the point that this rapist guy is like, she didn't say no. She actually wanted to go along with this. And then it got to be too much for her. He didn't stop right away. But that's the same way that it was with Picard. You know, it's just, it's just a little bit weird that they use the mind meld as the way to tell that story. When we've seen it presented where the lead cast members have done it to each other. And it, and and it like, wasn't focused on them the same way. It, yeah, it wasn't like, how could you have done that to McCoy? You yeah. violated him. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want the outrage of Spock violating McCoy. <laughs> uh. But th- that's my complaint about using that. But the way they presented this where 
is not until the episode's almost over that you realize this is what it's about. They're yeah. like, well, that's actually really smart. And that's very Star Trek, because we talked about that with the Mirror Mirror episode, with even the Riker Rape Trial, which, again, not a great episode, but very smart the way they presented that and didn't even reveal, in the end, you know, who or what really happened between him and this woman. Uh, and, and then the moral questions they bring up about, you know, should the Vulcans be exploring their emotions, or is this something that you can phase yourself into? Uh even just, you know, is there anything wrong with these gypsy Vulcans who are just doing their own thing? You know, there, there are some things they're doing that are probably healthier than the other Vulcans. This episode was so smart, but my bigger complaint here, just in kind of wrapping it up, the episode just sort of peters out. Yeah. It's very similar to the well, Voyager like I said, 1. with the Nebula thing, it's like... Yeah, well, again, very similar to the Voyager 1 last week. Like, we had this side plot of, you know, these weird things are going on, on the ship, and oh, there's these interdimensional beings, and then that was just sort of, it was just there. We have a side plot here, not only with Archer wanting to see this nebula and explore it, which gets dropped in the episode. Uh, Jamie's now doing squats, I just want to say, because she's uncomfortable in a chair. I can't sit anymore. This is narrating. Anybody who has not yet had a pregnant wife, I'm narrating uh, the the life of a pregnant woman to you. It's so uncomfortable. I can't sit anymore. (laughs) Um, But uh, where was I going with that? (laughs) This is the distractions I deal with. Um... Oh, the, okay, so the Nebula story. But then you have this other Vulcan who's, like, not in contact with his father. Father, And then Tucker is, like, Tucker's trip, in case you didn't realize. I, I knew who he was. Yeah, he is, he's, like... He's the one that she has sex with. Yes. Sex. Um, S-E-X. After her dirty dreams, because she didn't meditate. <laughs> but um, that whole plot with <laughs> the just, father... I just totally thought of like her like giving that guy a blowjob. Oh, I don't want to hear that. And just being like, meditate no. on this, baby. Oh, don't. <laughs> I'm still standing up though because I can't. Stand. Anyways, the the plot with the Vulcan's father. It's like, why is that even there? And then the way the episode ends, where you have this intense moment with the mind meld, and then it just cuts to Archer talking to the guy saying. How dare you violate her? And he's like, well, I didn't do anything. She didn't say no. And he's like, you assaulted a crew member of mine. And because I've already seen other Mind Meld episodes, I'm like, did Sarah assault Picard? Did Spock assault McCoy? I'm asking myself that question. And then the episode sort of ends with this wimpy fist fight between the two of them. Yeah. And the guy's like, you planned this all along. And then it's not like, you're going to jail, buddy. <laughs> There's going to be a trial. Riker doesn't do anything wrong, and he gets a trial. Here this guy apparently rapes to Paul, and it's like, I want you off my ship. You go rape somebody in another galaxy, because you ain't touching to Paul. <laughs> it's just a weird ending. And I felt like the way the Voyager episode ended last week, where it just sort of ended with this weird pheromone thing, with very similar thing, you know, um, Janeway seducing some man with pheromones, uh, uh, assaulting him <laughs> and then the episode ends it, it, it spoiled in a way because I feel like I would have maybe loved this episode if it just ended better you don't have to clean up Casper's toys while we record Jamie just no I, I'm, I'm just trying to stretch like okay. like I told you I'm really sore from sitting in a chair for a half hour I'm, you know what these days I swear I feel more and more like an old lady okay so what do you have to say on the whole ending I told you, I felt like it kind of just fell a little bit flat with the Nebula thing. And I never really thought about what you said with a guy. It's like, you uh, you took advantage of a crew member of mine. Now get off my ship and yeah. go take advantage of someone else. I know. It's, it's not like, you know, how dare you walk this earth? Uh, yeah, it's just sort of like, you you pull that crap somewhere else, but not on the Enterprise, buddy. Um, <laughs> you go wait another eight years for someone else to yeah. abuse. Uh, 
I don't know if I have any other notes here. A couple of little trivia things I wanted to point out. Well, guess what? what? Guess what? I have no notes. I know you have no notes. <laughs> uh, trivia things I wanted to point out. So, two things. Um, one, this is one I just picked up on my own. Do you remember the, the book he's showing to Paul at the beginning? The, the Nebula book? Yes. Okay. What, what is it, I, I guess, addressed to or signed as? Like Admiral... Johnny. Admiral Johnny Archer, which the idea is that he was a kid and saw this astronomy. This was his first astronomy book. And, you know, he wrote his own name in it as Admiral Johnny Archer as a kid. Fun thing about that is that, do you know that Archer eventually in the Star Trek canon becomes an admiral? Yes, I remember that. How do you know about it? Or where do we find out about that? Do you remember? Isn't it in... In this, the Chris Pine the, movie. Yeah. The first J.J. Abrams movie where Chris Pine's character, I think it was Chris Pine's character, they talked about uh, something about uh, Admiral, or, or, or when, oh, Scotty, when he was teleporting, they mentioned some type of accident with Admiral Archer's dog. So they, they give you the clue that later on he would become an Admiral, which I just thought was cool because here they just mention as a throwaway comment and he becomes an Admiral. Second bit of uh, trivia here. I'm going to show you one of the three Vulcans, and you tell me... If this guy looks familiar to you. Because he's connected. I don't know. So this is Taven, I guess. He's the, the older Vulcan that they come across. Um, this is Chris Pine's father in real life. Chris, Chris Pine's... Did he get his looks from his mother? <laughs> well, he's in Vulcan makeup here. I mean, uh, if I can find... Well, let's see how much he looks like him in real life. So this, is, this guy is Robert Pine. Um... He looks older here. Let's pull him up as a young man here. I don't know, Jamie. No, you. He's older, but uh, he, lo- he looks like a like a like a caveman, like a troll. <laughs> well, this looks like a '70s cop movie or something. Okay, here's one even younger. What about here? Mm. You're not even looking. No, again, like the, the guy has his eyebrows like right above his eyes. It's really weird. Well, is Chris Pine different? I don't know. He looks more attractive. Here they are together. I see a family resemblance. Yeah. Okay, and third thing here. Um, the guy who plays the rapist Vulcan, as you say. Now, did you recognize him? I don't know if you would recognize him, but the audiences might because he ended up becoming a big star later on. You might want to come c- close to the microphone to answer that question. I'm watching. No, I wasn't asking you to watch. I said, does he look familiar to you? Almost like you've seen him before, yeah. Okay, so this actor, um, I'm going to pull up his name here because I'm going to butcher in the pronunciation. Uh, Enrique Murciano, or okay. Murciano. Uh, so this is Tolaris, the, the rapist one. Anyways, uh, I'm pulling him up here. Tell me if you recognize him more <coughs> actually seeing him out of the Vulcan makeup. Uh, no. So most well known for a show called without a trace that he made uh he was one of the younger cops on without a trace and more recently he was in the tv show bloodline he uh played the the main cop on bloodline who was also engaged to the daughter you don't recognize him still oh yeah okay yeah now i remember yeah so he's gone on to become a big star and this must be a very early role of his but that's it for the trivia things here um i'm going to sit down now any anything else on enterprise or the episode fusion that we forgot to cover that you're interested in here i don't think so i'm interested in sitting on the couch now okay well wait because we gotta rate this episode so are you My gonna we got two things your feet have continued to hurt because <laughs> maybe if you hadn't babbled so much 
<laughs> um, I was trying to be interesting. To Paul in the back of a car, then we would have been sitting down by now. Uh, you want to buy this one, rent it, or bin it? I, I do actually like this one, um, but I'll probably. It's not like it's amazing, so I'll probably just rent it because it's like I'd watch it again. Yeah, I feel like the end is the only reason I wouldn't buy this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I feel like too. And it's such a small episode where we see so little, but it's it's such an interesting story where even before you realize it's actually about you know sexual consent or whatever, it's just this interesting episode about the Vulcans that we hadn't seen before about what is it what does it mean to suppress your emotions or uh what if you were to let certain things in and the, the moral questions and all that uh, now second question being we've ranked five star trek shows we're not even going to rank the shows themselves because we know voyagers last but of the episodes we've done we did the original series randomly drew mirror mirror we did um what was it? i should actually i should look up what the next generation episode was called because we just keep calling it the Riker rape trial um Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, do we even know what episode? Matter of Perspective. That was a Riker rape trial. We had Children of Time from Deep Space Nine. That was the one where they encountered the, their descendants in the, the future. The souls of my feet are killing me. Can you Voyagers, get to the point? Voyagers, Bride of Chaotica, the holodeck one in black and white, and now Enterprise Fusion. Rank those five episodes. Which one was your favorite, second, third, fourth, and fifth? I already forget them. I just reminded you, I Mirror know. Mirror from the original series, No, Riker Rape Trial, The Descendants 200 Years in the Future from Deep Space Nine, The Holodeck Black and White One from Voyager, and this. It probably would one. be a tie for the Deep Space Nine one in this one, because I actually found that one pretty interesting. Higher too. than Mirror Mirror? Uh, yeah, that one would probably be next. And then the, uh, what else do I have left? Is it just Chaotica? Bride of Chaotica and Riker Rape Trial. Yeah, the Riker Rape Trial will probably be last. So it was pretty boring. You, you, you binned the Bride of Chaotica. Yeah, but at least it was like, it caught my interest. Like, what is this crap I'm watching? <laughs> but well, oh, the, well, the Riker gonna... one was really boring. No, I felt like the Riker one had so many interesting ideas. The more time passes, the more I'm interested by the, the matter of perspective. So, I mean, if I'm going to rank these, I'm not going to rank matter of perspective first. I'm going to say that uh, first is the Deep Space Nine one, Children of Time. Second will be Mirror Mirror from the original series. Third, I might go with this one slightly. Uh, maybe matter of perspective tied with this. And then the Voyager one last, although I didn't mind the Voyager one. But anyways, that's it. Um that's it for all of Star Trek. Jamie's now sitting on the couch loading the Ted Bundy series. You want to yell from there? Bye. Bye. Uh, this is my life with a pregnant wife of twins. Um, anyways, we're done the Star Trek ones. So if you were listening to these random rewatches back before the new year when we started doing Star Trek, uh, Rossi and I would do these where we would just pick one each week. One week I would pick a show. The next week he'd pick a show. And it's really any rules. We could pick good shows, bad shows. And it's always something different. We like to end these episodes by teasing what it's going to be next week. It may be one of two things I haven't quite 100% confirmed yet, whether Rossi can even find one of the episodes. So since we don't know exactly what it is, it'll be a surprise next week. Uh, So when it does come up, try to find the show, watch it along with us. And uh, any other ideas people have of something random they want us to cover. If you want us to cover something so terrible as Sex in the City... Season 3, Episode 5. I don't even know what that is. Jamie, please don't suggest that because I was asking for suggestions earlier. Uh, We'll cover it or we'll try to cover it or fit it into our schedule somewhere. Uh, Any suggestions people have, throw it our way. And uh, we've done some in the past. That's how we started these random episodes. Uh, So give us 
anything you want us to watch and uh, we'll try to fit it in somewhere if we can uh as usual like us on facebook follow us on twitter uh Download us and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you can find your podcast. That is it. My name is Colin, and my feet hurt too, Jamie. My name is Jamie, and I'm sitting on the couch all the way back here. I said, my name is Jamie, and I'm sitting on the couch all the way back here. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.